Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi everyone, and welcome to Devraga Personal Finance episode 45. In this episode, I thought it will discuss about REITs, real estate investment trusts. This episode was actually inspired by the CastBox listener, Azza J. Shout out to you, Azza, and thanks very much for listening and supporting and stimulating discussion, and thanks for the idea about a podcast episode about REITs. And thanks also to all the messages of support and questions over the last few months especially. It's been great, and it's made me do some more research on topics that I have no idea about, but also where I needed to have a little bit more knowledge about it. And hopefully you're gaining some knowledge through this podcast channel. This channel is not about specific financial advice. If you need that, you need to get someone to analyze your personal financial situation. This podcast channel is designed for people who want financial education and learning about tips and tricks and concepts which they can apply in their own personal financial situation. The principal motto of this podcast series is the pay yourself concept. That is, you try and save up to 20% of your after-tax income, you put it aside, and you invest it. You do it again and again and again, and the dividends that you get from those investments, you always reinvest those, and you automate the whole process. Now, I've found in my 10 years of doing this is that finance is mostly behavioral and not much about knowledge. But if you combine behaviors and knowledge and use it to your advantage, you're likely to end up wealthier than you'll ever imagine possible. Being wealthy is not just about how much actual wealth you can accumulate. It's not a dollar figure or a, uh, a status symbol. It's all about having money and wealth, which gives you options. And with those options, you can decide the fate of your life, which means you have more control over what you do in your life. And as a result, most importantly, you can start helping the people that mean most important to you in your life. Now, before we go on to the main topic of this podcast, something I should probably uh, discuss is the recent Reserve Bank of Australia's rate cut. So in Australia, the Reserve Bank meets uh, every month and basically on uh, Tuesday, I think it was, they decided to cut the rate to the lowest ever that's been in this country. Now the Reserve Bank interest rates are 1%. And part of that uh, cuts have already been passed on by the major banks to its customers. Now, does that change my situation? No. Is it going to change the way that I think about personal finance? No. And I don't think it should change the way that you think about personal finance. If you've got a variable home loan rate, where the home loan rate has now been reduced by quarter of a percent or whatever it is, I suggest you still pay off the same amount of money that you've always been been paying off over the last 12 months or five years or whatever it is. Don't change it. Because when the rate cuts happen, 
then the banks will automatically pass that rate cut to you if you're lucky enough to have those rate cuts passed on to you. And the banks will say, well, you don't need to pay you know, $2,000 this month from now on. You might only need to pay $1,900 uh, depending on what your monthly repayments are. So that extra $100 you might think is a saving for you. What I suggest you do is continue paying the $2,000 off your mortgage because it means the extra $100 that you pay off over a period of 20 or 30 years is going to accumulate and that means that your home loan time frame will be significantly reduced. Now, if you think about why the Reserve Bank of Australia has cut interest rates and part of their strategy is they think the economy is running out of puff, they want to stimulate the economy, they want to give you more money in your pocket and they think you're going to spend the money. Well, in my case, I'm not going to spend that money If I've got extra money in my bank account, I'm going to pay off my debts, I'm going to pay off my mortgage, or I'm going to use that money to invest. I'm not going to spend it on flashy holidays, I'm not going to spend it on flashy cars, I'm not going to use that money to go out for restaurants. Every now and again, maybe, but certainly not on a monthly basis. So that's my two cent advice. If your variable home loan rate has been reduced or will be reduced in the future, whatever you're paying for your mortgage at the moment, continue doing so. Don't waste that money. Automate it. Make sure you save it, invest it, or pay off debts because that's what's going to get you the power of compounding over 20, 30, or 40 years. Now to the main topic of this podcast, what are REITs? Real Estate Investment Trusts. In Australia, they're actually called A-REITs, A-REITs. Now to understand REITs, it's probably better to revisit about buying property in general in Australia. Suppose you want to buy a house, you want to buy a property, and you have enough cash to buy the property. In this case, your own personal home, you want to buy it outright. You use the cash, you get the title to the property, you transfer the title to your name, and basically that means you own the property. But what happens if you have some cash but want to invest in a larger property? Well, you can use the cash as a deposit, then ask the bank for a loan called a mortgage because your home is the security for the loan amount, And then use the loaned amount to pay the seller and obtain the property. But the property is technically owned by the mortgage or the bank, whoever lends you that money, and not yourself. So you only get the final title of papers to that property once you've paid the mortgage off. So this is why when people say, I own my own home, my next question is, you mean you don't have a loan attached to that home? And if the answer is no, then yes, they do own their own home. If the answer is now I've actually got a mortgage attached to my home, then my response is, well, you don't actually own the home. The bank owns it or the mortgage broker owns it or whoever it is that's lent you the money owns it. You have to pay them back before you actually get the title transferred to your name. Now, this is all good and well if you have you know, uh, money, a little bit of money to buy a home. But what happens if you wanted to buy a commercial property or an industrial property or a healthcare facility or a hotel? They can cost millions and millions and millions of dollars. Now, if you have enough money, if you have several million dollars, yeah, you can go ahead and pay cash for those commercial properties and buy them outright. But the average investor, you or me, can't afford that. So REITs are a good way to own pieces of property, whether it's commercial, apartments, industrial, healthcare facilities or hotels, whereby multiple people pull their money And that money is used to buy a variety of properties. This is very similar to stocks, isn't it? You want to invest in a company, you buy a share of that company by buying a stock, 
Rates are kind of similar, where you want to invest in pieces of property, but rather than one or two properties, and rather than having enough money to buy it outright yourself, there are tens if not hundreds of properties which are packaged into investment trusts, and you own a piece of them. So if you want to diversify your portfolio, you have personal property, you have shares, international and local, and a good mix, you have cash, you have term deposits, you have bonds, and want to own a piece of commercial or industrial property, then REITs might be an option for you. The REITs can be listed in the stock exchange as well, called listed REITs. And again, I've said in Australia, REITs are generally called A-REITs. So what is this concept of REITs? Well, the Real Estate Investment Trust owns the property. They get their money from various investors, and you might be one of them. So you pull the money, you invest in the REITs, and they get the money, and they invest and buy property. They lease the property out to other businesses and then collect the rent on that property. Then they make a profit and distribute part of the profits as dividends to their investors who contributed to the fund which enabled them to buy the property in the first place. So it's very similar to stocks and dividends. The biggest advantage of REITs though is that the investment is quite liquid, similar to stocks. So for example, liquid investments mean that you can buy and sell pretty quickly and get the money into your account pretty easily. So the more liquid your investments are, the easier you can buy and sell, and the easier you can get your money. So the most liquid form of asset that people can have is actually cash. You go to the ATM, you go to the bank, you draw the cash, there, that's your money. So for example, if you own a property like your home and want to sell it, the process takes about two to three months, depending on the market. Therefore, property itself, bricks and mortar, is quite illiquid. But with REITs, because you own pieces of property and it's packaged into investment trusts, you can buy and sell as you please, similar to stock trading. So the advantage of this is that it offers stable yields, where the yield is a rental income from the properties out of which profits are distributed as dividends. So in other words, REITs is a sizable alternative for investors who want to invest in something other than the stock market or companies in the world of the lower interest rates, which we talked about because the RBA has just lowered the interest rate across Australia to 1%. So understanding the REIT structure in depth um, is really important. So let's dive into how REITs are structured because I think it's important to understand it so that you get a bit of a glimpse about how they work as opposed to how owning a property works or having cash in the bank works, term deposits, or investing in the stock market and buying shares of a specific company. So point number one, there are about 38 or so REITs that are listed in the All Ordinaries Index in Australia, worth about $125 billion, and it's growing. So in this podcast, we're mainly talking about listed REITs. And I think you need to check the numbers depending on when you listen to this podcast episode in the future. But at the moment, um, in July the 4th of 2019, there's about 38 or so REITs listed in the All Ords Index. REITs offer investors the ability to have access to large commercial real estate as investments, which otherwise investors won't be able to have access to. So I can't afford to buy a large commercial property, but I can afford to invest a piece of my money into a REIT, which might own a number of large commercial properties. So here's the structure of listed REITs. Supposing I invest in a REIT, then I'm called a REIT security holder. So when you own property, you need to reevaluate the rental yield, the property growth in terms of its value, and both of these incomes and value growths provide net income for the REIT security holder. This is paid to me before tax. This is the income from the trust itself. 
but the properties owned by the REIT require management. This is a company that does this. Um, they do the surveying, they do the growth, they do the construction, the renovation, and the maintenance of that property. And the fees generated as a result is called fees generated managing the trust. And this income is also given to the REIT security holder. So there's two streams of income. The first stream of income is the fees generated from the management of property owned by the REITs. And the second stream of income, the main source of income, is going to be the rental yield from those properties that you've, um, you know, you've invested in because you've invested in the REIT that then holds those properties. But the the management fees that's generated, that fee is uh, because it's a company structure and not a stru- trust structure. They pay tax on the profits, then distribute the dividends after tax. So the trust structure distributes dividends before the tax whereas a company structure distributes dividends after tax. Now, this specific structure is called a stapled security, a stapled REIT, in other words. Um, Now, the structure of this REIT is now contractually bound together. In other words, you can't sell the trust component without selling the company component. But for tax purposes, the income derived is treated separately, and this is where the advantage lies. So why is this tax advantageous for some people? Well, it means income earned from REITs retains its tax characteristics, which pass through the investors, whether it's capital gains that can be offset by losses or the potential for tax-deferred income if distributable income exceeds taxable income. Like any investments, REITs can be bought and sold in the share market, and their value goes up and down depending on market conditions. So when it comes to investing, we've already talked about dividend investing or income investing. REITs are good for this because you get the profits from the rental yields, but REITs are also good because the properties may increase in value, so you get capital growth as well. So it's a potential double benefit. Now, the point number three about all this is what does tax deferred income mean? This is one of the main advantages of the REIT as well, and it's commonly done. It means the property trust may distribute income tax deferred, and this means the timing of the tax paid on the distributions can be suited more to the investors dependent on their marginal tax rates. So if you have a really, really large marginal tax rate, then you might want to not have your distributions paid to you because you're going to be paying a significant portion of that distributions to tax, whereas you might want to tax defer it. So in some cases, tax payable may be deferred until such time as the investor's marginal tax rates is reduced. So for example, at retirement or is actually nil, for example, in the pension phase of a superannuation fund. So are the REITs the holy grail? Well, in my opinion, in finance, there's no such thing as a free lunch. So REITs are not the holy grail. It comes with its own pros and cons and its own risks. Now, because REITs can offer capital appreciation and rental yield and income at the same time, they can be viewed as an awesome investment. But like all investments, there is no free lunch. Let's look at some of the things to consider when investing in a REIT. Ultimately, the quality of the REIT is dependent on, number one, what assets it holds, number two, what rental income it can get, and number three, how stable the rental income is and whether there's any growth potential capital or yield rate income uh, when it comes to rental yield. So how do you assess a REIT? Remember, the whole point is to ensure the property is leased and tenants are attracted and stay longer. There's no point in investing in a REIT that holds a whole heap of commercial property if those property are empty because the main way that you're going to make money is capital appreciation, and rental yield. 
because most of the rental yields that you get, most of the profits are distributed to you as dividends. So how do you assess a REIT when it comes to those two key points? Point number one, location, location, location. It's like buying a home. You want to buy you know, uh, REITs that own properties in great locations. Number two, age of the buildings that it owns, how much capital expenditure is required to bring it up to speed. Number three, what type of assets it holds. Is it office REIT? Is it a retail REIT? Is it industrial REIT? Is it healthcare sector REIT? Or is it a REIT that has a mix of all of these types of asset classes in it in terms of office buildings, apartments, retail, etc.? And number four, assess the income stream. Now, when you assess the income stream of a particular REIT, you assess the type and size of tenants of all the properties that it owns. You assess the term of the leases. Is it 10 years or more? And you assess the value of the lease compared to the wider market. And obviously, the type of rent that you get is dependent on the type of commercial property that the REIT owns. And that also depends on the tenant type that you can attract as a result uh, of the uh, uh, as a result of the term leases, etc. So, how does a tenant type impact on the security of the lease? So, if you have a lease that's very secure, that means you can have a ten or twenty year lease, and that particular business is going to be paying you rent for that twenty years. Imagine if you had a house and you rented the house out for about ten years. That gives you stable, secure income for that ten years. But the problem is. If rents rise in the future, then you've basically locked yourself out for any rental increases over those 10 years. So, again, how does the tenant type impact on the security of the lease? Well, it depends. So, for example, if government tenants, defence, ATO, government or council bodies, you know, they tend to stay for longer and they have greater security, um, but it can be a large corporation, uh, which also has greater security in terms of rental yield. But small private tenants don't have financial backings as bigger tenants. But bigger tenants may expect a lot more. Renovations, management, etc., etc. So when you go to a shopping centre, for example, you know, in Melbourne we have a very big shopping centre called Chadston uh, or Westfield, which um, a lot of our states in Australia have. When you go into these shopping centres, what you'll notice is that some months there are retailers that are doing very well, but you go there about a year later and it's totally changed. That retailer has gone. That particular uh, restaurant in the food court has gone and a new person and a new business has taken over that. That's because that particular retailer lost money, so they couldn't afford the rent, so they leave and you get a new retailer coming in. So, uh, whereas if you go to the city and there's your Australian tax, of, uh, tax office, you know, they, they might have a building in the city or they might have a building in Albury or whatever it is. I think it's in Albury, it's where the main office is. They're not going to change their building. They're not going to change where they're going to do business because they're a government organization. So they're going to be more stable. So when you invest in a REIT, you have to look at what sort of properties they have, where they have the properties, the location, the tenants, the term leases, etc. Um, so, for example, you know, if you have a, a REIT that has Westfield properties, then that's fantastic because Westfield has so many customers. They own big shopping centers huge market share, they have great locations, they have customers that go into these businesses and spend money, so you're always going to have tenants, you're always going to have retailers um, that are going to be wanting to be located within a Westfield-owned shopping centre. I hope I haven't confused that, but that's that's one of the ways to assess what a good REIT is versus what a bad REIT is, and it really depends on where these commercial properties are located and how it's actually structured. 
Now, the second bit of all this is the term of the lease. So the longer the term, the more security. This is called weight average lease expiry or WALE, W-A-L-E. It adds value to the REIT because it represents a secure income stream, but it's a double-edged sword. So as, as, as I explained earlier, in higher market times, you may have to abide by rental terms if you've signed a lower rent. And all of a sudden, the market is more demanding and the rents have skyrocketed and you can't simply increase rates until the term of the lease is ready for renewal because you've signed up for a 10-year lease and you've signed up for a specific uh, you know, rental yield. Uh, you can't just halfway through the lease say, I'm sorry, the rents are actually gone up around you. I'm going to double the rent. That's actually not possible because you'd be breaking that lease and you can't do that. Now, the last thing about REITs is can REITs be geared? Now, what does it mean by gearing investment? Gearing investment is basically borrowing money to invest um, invest that money and try and create a higher return, higher than what you're actually going to be paying in interest for that borrowed money. Yes, REITs can borrow money to invest uh, and buy property. And like all things in life, it comes with its risks. Generally, I don't like borrowing money, so I don't invest in REITs that borrow money to invest because that's speculative investing, that's risky. Um, I think REITs should just, you know, I feel that if you're going to invest in REITs, then it's going to be pooled money where money is available. They're not going to borrow it. They're not going to borrow against it and then spend that money as well. Um, so, you know, gearing can, can be fantastic in some circumstances. It can certainly magnify returns positively but it can also magnify returns negatively. So be careful in investing in REITs, which are heavily geared. Now, is there any other types of REITs? Um, well, yes, you know, so far we've been discussing uh, equity REITs, those that are listed in the stock exchange. Um, and uh, basically that's the main type of REIT that I've discussed in this podcast channel. Uh, but essentially there are other main types of REITs in Australia. So there's something called mortgage REITs, which is uh, rather than owning properties, um, they actually own mortgages and collect the interest on those mortgages. So for example, the REIT loans out money to other people or buy loaned money from banks. For example, your mortgage with Commonwealth Bank, for example, may actually not be owned by Commonwealth Bank. You may actually be owned by REIT, which are purchasing that mortgage gets a little bit complex from Commonwealth Bank and sells it. It's called mortgage-backed securities. Then they use the money to the, buy the property and then the REIT charge the customer's interest on the money loaned out. So, yes, you can have mortgage REITs in Australia, um, but, you know, it, it's not something that, um, that I'm very familiar with. Um, but uh, then again, I don't, invest in, uh, I don't invest in specific REITs. I just invest in the index um, because I think over time, 30, 40 years later, uh, you're likely to do much better in terms of investing in an index fund because of low-cost uh, investments and also because over time, if you have a look at the historically, the indexes have done reasonably well. So to finish off, what are the pros and cons of REITs? So the pros are it's more liquid when compared to buying property yourself. Um, the second point is it gives investors access to diversified property portfolios, which they may not be able to access. Point three is you can buy and sell in the ASX like other stocks. Point four is it's relatively well regulated. Um, it's done by stock trading rules and ASX rules, so it's not unregulated. And point five is there's a relatively stable cash flow uh, income, often higher returns than cash or term deposits or bonds, Okay. In terms of cons, the first thing is it may not offer capital appreciation. 
it mostly is about leasing and rental yields. Yes, there may be some capital appreciation, but it may not have significant capital appreciation. So if you have a look at what's happened in the last sort of two years in the property market in Australia, it's been relatively stagnant, commercial and housing property markets. So, you know, you may actually lose money from a capital appreciation point of view. Point two, you're vulnerable to market conditions, especially property focused. And point three is it's good for low yield, low interest rate environments. So, you know, uh, it's not really good for high interest rate environments. If the property uh, uh, market is, you know, uh, very low um, or if the interest rates rise, then your REITs are probably not going to be worth very, very much. So in summary, REITs are similar to managed funds to a large extent and pull together investors' money to invest in properties such as apartment complexes, shopping complexes, healthcare buildings, hotels, etc., a mix of industrial and commercial real estate. Um, they distribute the profits in terms of capital appreciation from any sales of assets, income or rental yields, and any profits generated by management of those properties. And they have a unique structure called stapled REITs, which have one share of unit trust, which actually owns the property, and one share in the company, which manages those properties. So this is DevRaga Personal Finance, episode number 45, mainly talking about REITs. And like I said, thank you very much for the idea uh, to the CastBox listener, Azza J. Shout out to you again, and thanks very much for stimulating this discussion and, and making me learn as well. This podcast channel is all about my learning, but also hopefully you've learned a few concepts from the episodes. Now, we are coming up to almost 12 months since I started podcasting, which is pretty amazing because when I started it, I did it because of a hobby. I wanted to learn a little bit more. I've had a fair bit of support in recent months, so thank you very much. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, uh, feel free to contact me via Facebook, which is probably the best way to contact. Don't forget to like my Facebook page, which is Devraga Personal Finance. Until next time, make sure you pay yourself that 20% after-tax income, invest it, reinvest the dividends and automate it, and think about REITs that may actually be beneficial for your investment portfolio. Till next time, this is Deb Rucker, Personal Finance, Episode 45. Stay safe. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah.